Well, good morning, and welcome to another exciting week of Tech Talk. We took a small hiatus for the Passover Pesach break, and uh, while we may have taken a brief pause, the world most certainly did not. So I'd like to remind all of the listeners that you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arye Lightstone. You can listen to us on jminam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. <laughs> Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. As I mentioned prior to Pesach, that at least one of my kids would be benefiting from an Afi Komen gift courtesy of Adorama Camera, and indeed they did and enjoyed very, very much. We are uh, really privileged this week to have on a guest that, that, that I really was pining for uh, probably two and a half, maybe three months ago. Uh, but one of the things we're going to speak to our guest about is the is the value of timing uh, and knowing the right place, the right time, the right type of PR. And uh, and we're going to have that as one of the conversations that we have. But without any further ado, uh, we have Nathan Hecht with us today. Good morning, Nathan. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me, Arya. Uh, thank you for being on. Just to let everybody know that Nathan is the mastermind behind Destructs. His past projects and roles include founder and CEO of Currency.com, that's Currency with a K, and founder and CEO of Components International and CI Lumen Industries, the first LCD integration company to effectively deploy large-scale airport and mall digital signage systems. Nathan enjoys spending his limited, and it looks from his bio, very limited, free time with his awesome family. So, uh, Nathan, we appreciate you taking time away both from your entrepreneurial spirit and companies, as well as that precious time with your family, to come spend with us here on Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Okay, thank you. So uh, so let, let's sort of get right to it. At, with, you know, sort of as, as you were brought up, did you think that you were going to be an entrepreneur? Um, actually, probably once I got into my teenage years, um, I was pretty sure that this was the direction that I was going in. Um, I was brought up in a pretty creative family, and uh, siblings were doing all sorts of interesting things. So it's I was uh, I was primed to end up uh, where I am today, and I'm happy with the direction that I took. Okay, so it, it certainly is not cookie cutter by any stretch of the imagination, and uh, and with all of that. Uh, you know, you mentioned in, in, in your bio being able to spend quality time with your family. One of the f- most frequent questions that we get uh, here on the show from our listeners is, it's pretty awesome for, and normally it's the guy that we have on the show. We, we, we've had a couple of, of uh, female guests and, and intend to and hope to have many more in the future, uh, but oftentimes it's the guy sort of giving his perspective as the cowboy in the world of entrepreneurism. Um, what challenges, opportunities do you have in terms of trying to convey to your family what sort of this year's project is as opposed to, you know, sort of being more of a career guy? Um, Interesting question. From my perspective, actually, I uh, try really hard to uh, not only obviously spend time with my family, my wife and children specifically, and some extended family, but I like to get them involved with what I'm doing. So my children range in age from twin girls at three and a half, nearly four, to a son who's almost 14. And uh, I talk to them about what I'm doing. I talk to them about it when I come home. I talk to them about it when we're, um, when we, when we're spending time together. And to get their, per- first of all, to set an example for them 
um, I'm really conscious of that all the time, that I, I want to be sure that I'm setting a good example for them. And second, um, I think that the perspective, especially in modern technology, the perspective that you get even from children, um, for, an, for example, is, you know, is, is critical to building a good product. Uh, a simple example would be I just recently was observing my kids um, on the iPad. And from that, you can, when you see small children, and I'm sure a, a lot of uh, people in the from community can relate, with our small children, when you see them interacting with the device, um, even when they're very, very small, it's, it just shows you the importance of a product that's very intuitive, um, doesn't make you think very hard, and speaks to the way people want to do things naturally. So all those things together, I think uh, it's quite important, actually, to spend some time with, uh, with your family. So first of all, I've, I've asked that question to, to dozens of entrepreneurs, and uh, and your answer is the one that that I like the most, frankly, and and one that I'd like to uh, to try to apply more with my life. Just to to share with you, just just you know, last night as I was leaving my house, uh, I guess to run out to shul or whatever else it would be, um, I noticed my 18 month old was able to find exactly what he was looking for on the iPad, and my wife reminded me that shouldn't surprise me because after his first word of mama, well before Abba, uh, it came. Apple. Yeah, correct. Came phone, bone, bone. So it was, uh, again, something that just makes sense and just works, um, in its intuitiveness. Uh, so that's, okay, good. I, 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 you know, again, personally, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of a bunch of the listeners that are out there and a bunch of the entrepreneurs. I, I like that answer very much. It speaks to I, me, I uh, add, speaks to me deeply. Uh, Aria, just if I can add one thing to that, it's important to note that it wasn't quick to get to the point where we finally ended up at the iPad and its interface. It was, it's been many, many, many years of, you know, burdensome um, interfaces and difficult interfaces until we finally ended up there. So I think that that's a good, uh, you know, to, to give us some perspective as well that, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel and eventually you can get to something that's really, really brilliant, but sometimes it just takes, you know, some effort and, and energy to actually get there. So if I was much older, my kids would not have grown up with their second word being typewriter. <laughs> Something like that, yes. Something like that. Okay, that makes 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 sense, 100%. Look, I, I remember uh, back when I was doing a little bit of real estate trying to look things up on microfiche, and sure. I thought that was you know an awesome technology, but I was the only one in the office who was interested in doing it because it was incredibly burdensome and and not intuitive yet to scroll to the right to see th- something to the left and to so what what you know exactly what I'm talking about and I sure. think that's also an interesting perspective the the iPads the phones the devices that we have today which are inherently intuitive were not that way because they were designed by 18 month olds they were that way because they were designed by adults who finally got it down to what sort of the the, the most basic functions uh, that somebody would need. Um, okay, so uh, excellent perspective. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, I want to remind the listeners that we're, we're have the privilege of speaking to Nathan Hecht this morning, a serial entrepreneur. We're going to get to destructs. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly uh, as the bulk you of the are. conversation. Um, but I really like you to walk us through just sort of like your entrepreneurial history, if you don't mind. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the LCD integration company and, and anything else that you'd be willing to share with the audience in terms of how you got into what you got into and why. Um. Sure. So, basically, I was in Israel uh, in the late 90s um, during the first dot-com and telecom boom, and then the subsequent bust, and uh, was uh, very intrigued by some of the technologies that were being developed at the time, specifically some of the things that were being done in Israel, um, and spent time with um, 
some Israeli, some startups, some more developed firms in the nearly two years that I was there, 99, 2000, um, and came back to America and pretty much knew at that point that I was going to do something in technology. I had built some relationships and started a company in semiconductor distribution. It was a very interesting space at the time. Um, a portion of it was just distributing components um, while p- companies were still manufacturing in America, um, electronic circuit boards and things like that. And there is still a very big um, manufacturing space for that in America in military and aerospace and um, auto manufacturing, but a little less so, obviously, in consumer electronics uh, and so on. Um, it, that company had a subsidiary in LCD integration. What I noticed in the semiconductor business, having spent time with some of the manufacturers and distributors, was some of the same companies that were manufacturing components were starting to allocate fab space, fabrication space, for two interesting technologies. One was in um, solar energy, photovoltaic solar panels, and the other was for flat panel displays, LCDs. Um, and if it wasn't the LCD themselves, uh, you know, it was the controller cards that were, that were powering the LCDs um, and, you know, the peripheral components that went along with them. Um, it was around 2004, 2005, um, you know, and realized that, you know, flat panels was the future at the time and focused on the very large panels um, with manufacturers such as Samsung and Sharp and look to see, and, and then in some s- smaller panels a little later on, look to see what we can do with the raw material. The, you know, today when you think of a flat panel display, it comes with a bezel around it and a, and a stand, and it's in most cases either a TV or a monitor of some sort or, or built into a, to a TV or a monitor. Um, but we were actually buying the, the raw material, and we were looking for ways of integrating that and how they can be put to use outside of the traditional uses for displays. So in the large panels, um, we saw a use case in advertising um, for the very large panels. Um, for example, in the early days, you may remember, uh, you know, 2004, 2005, when you walked into the subway system, CBS Outdoor um, first launched, you know, the 42-inch LCD systems outside, and they were displaying advertisements. Top of the taxi cabs in Boston, Las Vegas, uh, now then in New York City, now coming back to New York City, and so on and so forth. And eventually, we partnered with um, Samsung um, for their very large LCD displays at the time, you know, as big as 80-inch that they were actually making for us by hand, wow. believe it or not, literally making for us by hand in Korea. And we did three-way deals between us and J.C. Deco, the French out-of-home media company in Clear Channel, and got exclusive deals for airport signage and for mall signage. And we basically, we were a turnkey solution um, where, you know, you came to us with your problem, and we took the raw material, software, software, hardware, um, the d- designed the systems, deployed the systems. Um, the actual installations were done by the unions, um, but up until the actual physical installation um, of the company. On the smaller LCD side, um, again, went back to some of the relationships that I had with components and semiconductors and you know, found use cases um, in military and aerospace. Um, today, for example, LCDs are mostly LED um, LCDs. When you walk into a, a, a Best Buy and you look for a, a television or a monitor, the backlight of those LCDs are LEDs like you may buy a light bulb. Um, then it was a lot less common 
LEDs, um, CCFLs, which is the almost like a traditional um, fluorescent bulb, was what powered um, those panels, was what lit up those panels, excuse me. And it was producing a lot too much heat and consuming too much power. So we were one of the earliest companies to work with these manufacturers to pull out those CCFLs, replace them with LED backlighting, and then we were able to install them in Merkava tanks, for example, so that the soldiers, you know, were able to sit in a tank with six or seven displays that were producing much less heat, and the cost was way down because they had to replace them less because they would consume less power and burn less, less, um, you know, uh, burn the systems out. So, so Nathan, I'm going to pause you there. Sure. <coughs> Pardon me one second. Um, you, you really hit on two. <laughs> you probably couldn't talk about two more uh, interesting but diverse components, and I, I just want to drill into at least the first one for one moment. You took an existing product that existed in terms of these panels. Panels were there, but they weren't necessarily cut to or made to the size that you thought that would fill a need. So that's awesome. But how did you convince the marketing companies to move to move from whatever they had been doing before, be it posters or billboards, or how did you convince them that this was a, a way that they should be reaching their market? It's very, very hard. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it other than it takes motivation and perseverance and, you know, the will to get your way almost, you know, for lack of a better way of explaining it. Um, you know, you have to just sort of have a vision for something, see a better way of doing it, and want to do it bad enough, get to the right people and convince them that it's the right approach. Uh, and it was hard then. It's hard now. I was at New York Tech Day today. Uh, we had a booth where hundreds, maybe maybe a few thousand even, um, New York uh, startup firms uh, are showing their wares, if you will, and you walk through the room and you just see excited young people, you know, with a will to, you know, change the status quo. And it's difficult. And as I'm walking through the room, I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, do half these people know how hard it is, you know, to get headspace even. Everybody's pushing something. Everybody has a great idea. Um, with a little bit of mazel, a lot of bit of hard work, uh, and, you know, hopefully if you can get access to capital... Those are probably the three key things, the key ingredients that you need, and um, and you can get it done. Now, now, once you got the first company to view what you were offering as value add, did it then start to go like dominoes, or was each subsequent sale still, you know, that uh, you know, banging your head against the wall? It never really goes like dominoes, or at least it didn't for me, because what happens is is that as <laughs> As you start to succeed, um, then competitors pop up. Mm-hmm. So in, in most cases, you shouldn't worry about the competitors. You should worry if there are no competitors is what I often tell myself because if there are no competitors, there's probably something wrong with the space you're in or something wrong with what you're doing. So you may get a, a pickup in business, but then maybe your margins compress a little. You know, First you were the first guy at the rodeo, and now there's a lot of other guys at the rodeo. So it's tit for tat. You know, and, it, and, and as you progress, hopefully, as long as you're making, you know, incremental progress, a few steps forward and only a minimal steps backward, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you get the result that you want. And I, I don't, I'd just like to add that I don't think that the end result is necessarily always the most important result. 
and especially from the communities that we come from, I think it's really, really important to sometimes take a step back and, you know, a deep breath and take in accomplishments and achievements as you move along also. Um, at least for myself, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's been the energy. It's the fuel to continue to keep going. And even if it's just small successes every once in a while, just, you know, look at it for a moment, appreciate it, spend time with the people around you that have helped you get there and acknowledge that, and then you can move on to the next one. But if it's always just focusing on the end result and the end goal and you're just missing all the road signs as you move forward, I don't, I don't know if that's, uh, if that's a, a prudent approach necessarily. Now, who sets those milestones? Is it you? Is it the investors? Is it your partners? Is it a collaborative process? Because I, I think you're 100% correct in terms of rejoicing on the way. If not, you, you never know if you're going to get there. But how, how do you – advice to the entrepreneurs that are out there listening, who sets those milestones? Um, I think it depends on the individual circumstances. It depends on – you know you, what you're actually building, what you're actually doing, um, and and so on. So it's it's hard to it's hard to you know give you a broad answer on that. But it's sometimes a you know a collaborative um, assessment of what the appropriate milestones should be. And you know if you're a little bit smaller and you're and you're you don't necessarily have uh, you know those people that you need to engage with, um, then maybe you can set your own milestones. But milestones are critical. Milestones are really 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 important in anything that relates to technology um, for everything you can imagine for, to keep your own team motivated um, to if you you know to, to get uh, funding or whatever sort of access to capital uh, you may need or or want as you progress to gain you know to creep into market share and to essentially build value you have to have milestones along the way Speaking of milestones, at about this point in time of the show, I'd like to remind our listeners that you're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arya Lightstone, and you can listen to us on jmtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. We have Nathan Hecht with us, uh, who's really done us the, the favor of walking through what to me is a fascinating uh, company. I don't know how long ago you exited, um, I guess, uh, Components International and CI Lumen Industries, but, uh, but to, to me it seems very cutting edge still. Um, in some ways it is. And uh, I, uh, just to, to your question about exited, I've been out of that business. I exited just at the end of 2007, beginning of 2008. Um, and it is cutting edge. It's a, it's a really, really interesting space. Um, we handed it off to, you know, bigger players. And, um, it's, it, you know, as you know, when you walk into a stadium today, pretty much anywhere you go, um, like it or not, you know, those, those networks, those display systems are in your face globally. Um, so it's still it's still a very interesting space. Yeah, no, having having been in Vegas maybe four weeks ago in Times Square immediately post Pesach, I, <laughs> I I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I assume that most of those ridiculously large panels are still handmade. Um, I have to imagine most of them are customized, but I, I don't know that uh, for sure. The the one large panel that I'd like to still see is that I don't know what the name of uh, Jerry Jones' stadium is in, in Arlington, Texas, uh, but I believe that screen is larger than, than most football fields themselves. <laughs> I don't know the name of the stadium either. <laughs> 
but but you've 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 heard of that that uh, the, the I guess the I sure have, right. and I I, I I actually know the name of the um, of the manufacturer of that screen, which is a a prominent Midwestern company um, that was that maybe started a few years before us, um, and they were in both LED um, outdoor displays and now in LCD um, outdoor displays. So yeah, they've accomplished some pretty amazing things. I, as this is apropos of nothing other than the fact that it's rare that we have an expert on who can speak about the manufacturing and technology component, can you just tell us what this OLED thing is that's, uh, that, that you sort of read about, but I'm, I'm still not positive what it is? Yeah, OLED. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, an, to, to keep it really short, it's an advancement, it's an advancement excuse me, um, in LED technology. Um, I can't speak to the specifics of it right now because, I've, like I said, I've been out of it for, for a, a short while, but it's essentially an advancement in um, how LEDs are, um, in what LEDs are, um, how they're powered, um, you know, luminosity, um, the brightness of LEDs. And in most consumer electronics, um, the reason why they're, in some applications they're using OLED is for the luminosity and the flexibility um, of, of OLEDs. But to get into a little more detail, we this show would have to be longer than the uh, 48 minutes that it is. <laughs> than, than the allotted time that we have. Okay, I, I certainly appreciate it. So this, let's get to, to, to why the reason why I really wanted to have you on. I believe that you are either just launching or have just launched Destructs. Yes. So can um, you tell us what that is? Sure. So Destructs is hopefully the crown jewel. Um, we are. We just launched um, a few days before Pesach. It's www.destructs.com. D-S-T-R-U-X.com. Um, we're live on the web at the moment, and we'll follow up in the next few weeks uh, with a release of our first mobile application on um, iPhone. So Destructs is um, really cutting edge and forward thinking, and we hope that people like it and use it. Um, the concept is. Today, when you send um, an email, as an example, or when you share anything um, on the web, once you hit the send button or the share button, you essentially relinquish control of that communication. So, if, for example, if I sent REA an email right now, once that email leaves my outbox, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. You can forward it to, the, to, to another person. He can forward it, and on and on and on, and so on and so forth. With Destructs, we aim to give you back control of your electronic communications. So the way a Destructs communication would work is you send a file, you assign a time frame for how long you want the receiver to view the time frame, and once that time frame expires, you, this, the receiver can no longer access the information that you sent him. And this is going to be rolled out in, um, in, in an evolution so we're starting with files, uh, which is what we just released. All sorts of files, business files, um, you know, all, you know, pictures. Videos are coming in a few weeks. Um, after that, we'll move to the email itself, and so on and so forth. The really cool aspect of what we're doing is that not only can you control the first person that receives the, the file and limit them to the time frame that you want them to see it. But you can control everybody that they forward it to. And on your Destructs dashboard, when Arie forwards the email to his friends, I will see everybody who got it, and I can either allow them permission to see it 
or not, I, on one click of a button, I turn them on or turn them off. It can be five friends, a hundred friends, it doesn't matter. I can click all them off, and so on and so forth. So if you can imagine a new world where you're essentially controlling your information through cyberspace. Um, I feel to a great degree you guys should be sponsored by the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation. Um, you know, we've, we've spoken about once you say something, once you send something, once you click, it's gone and there's no way to, to ultimately control it. Um, this is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It is, it is, if I may say so myself, it is actually really awesome. And I encourage people to go to the website and check it out. There's so many different use cases for it. You know, it starts with, you know, moms telling their kids, you know, be careful what you share on the web. Everything is permanent. Well, actually, we may just be entering an era where you can share things and control them, and they're not permanent. And it goes all the way through to the individual entrepreneur sharing a business plan that he doesn't want his competitor or the potential investor to keep. He just wants him to see it for a short period of time. You know, the graphic artist who doesn't want to send you six logos um, and you keep all six and you only really pay him for one all the way up through you know legal medical and so on and so forth so our immediate use case is ordinary people we want ordinary people to try it and use it and share it um, and the, and the small entrepreneur and small business um, and we think that that's who we built it for at the moment and once we start to build that community and get some feedback we'll then move into you know uh, larger what's known as enterprise or larger corporations right i was going to say the b2b applications here are enormous uh you certainly don't need me to tell you that but uh but looking at just either legal documents or medical documents or or any of those things i i i want to let everybody listening know um you know i I ran ncsy for numerous years and one of the in, in the latter years uh two three four years ago uh the number one issue that parents had with kids, not that the parents had with the kids, but the parents brought to my attention was kids who regretted having shared stuff in the past, um, either appropriate or not appropriate stuff. And and to me, I I don't know whether this can become a fixture in terms of everything that kids do on their phones and or their computers, but I, I would strongly encourage every parent out there to go to the website today, this evening, Destructs. D-S-T-R-U-X dot com, destructs dot com, and, and keep your eyes and ears out, uh, for the mobile application, because more, more and more our teens are using their mobile devices as their primary, uh, method of sharing, and I assume that's what the, the necessity for the app is. Yes, um, for sure. Um, among, you know, obviously as screens get bigger, on mobile devices, um, and when I talk mobile, we mean not only phones, but we mean you know tablets and iPads as well. So you know we we know what the numbers are; those are selling in in, in masses, and more and more business applications are being done there as well. Uh, just to, to shed a little light as to why we've evolved like this, also and started with the the uh, the PC and then moved to mobile. Second, you know it's. The debate of mobile first that that goes on today is a is a big one in in the, in technology. Um, the inherent technology that we're building here is is highly complex in uh, um, the way that this information is being shared. Uh, of course, it's cloud based. It's heavily encrypted. Um, the files once they expire are actually completely 
um, what's called shredded. If you can imagine putting a piece of paper through a shredder, your files get shredded on our system once the file expires, and then we write over it. So it's a it's a really complex technology, and it needed to evolve in a certain way, um, and you know, roll to roll it out in a way where. Uh, you know, we can do some testing as we go and so on and so forth to make sure that we get it perfect. And like I said, it will evolve and it will get, it's already really, really, really good. It will get even even better with time. And the mobile app is going to be amazing. So so walk us through, if you don't mind, how did you come up with this? Why did you think this was where, because you, you went from something that was very tangible and, and you could sort of put your finger on it. And here, you've probably gone to something that's exactly the opposite. Granted, you can put your finger on it, but the goal is to not be able to for a, for that long of a period of time. So uh, they seem to be uh, two very different entrepreneurial approaches. Um, yes, in some ways. But this is actually quite obvious. This was okay. no great epiphany. Um, if you just look at observe the way we communicate today, uh, you know, on the web and the way that we share on the web, and everybody shares in one way, shape, form, or another, you know, instant message of some sort, um, email of some sort, social media of some sort. You have to ask yourself at some point, why is everything permanent? Why were these systems built in a way where I am at the mercy of the receiver constantly? So this was actually really obvious to me, and it was bugging me for a long, long time. And it was challenging to develop the go-to-market approach uh, as to, you know, how I thought that people can actually adopt it. Again, you know, you're talking about somewhat of a paradigm shift. And any time you need people to think a little bit differently than the way they're currently thinking, that's, of course, challenging. Um, I struggled with assembling the appropriate group of people that can actually that ha- that appreciated the vision, uh, um, you know, can really grasp what the long-term goal was and implement, you know, sh- near-term and medium-term and longer-term goals. So that took some time. Um, and then once all of those pieces came together, it was like a no-brainer. This has to be done. Um, I, you know, and it is being done. We're doing it. Um, and I suspect that there will be some others out there that will do, um, you know, possibly similar things. Uh, we hope that we've protected our intellectual property as best as we could with, you know, appropriate uh, patent applications and so on. But I think that the opportunity in this area that I just described is potentially very, very big. Sure. And, and, and uh, again, just as my mind is racing, I, I spent time on your website. I've spent time speaking to you in the past. But now hearing it described in this direction, uh, again, uh, the consumer model is, is for sure the tip of the iceberg. Um, how did you go about assembling a team that would be able to, again, I, I have to assume that you're poised for fairly rapid growth. Um, so the tech team is an Israeli tech team, um, mm-hmm. all graduates of, uh, you know, elite intelligence units, um, which is, again, a whole nother conversation. The amazing, amazing talent that the IDF turns out is just underappreciated, uh, to say the least. Um, I wish that the world had more access to these people. Um, I wish that Israel themselves had more access to these people and that they were mm-hmm. you know, able to retain a lot of the talent. Um, and that came through networking. Uh, it came through connections that I had uh, built over the years and people introducing me to other people um, and spending a lot of time weeding through until we, t- till I got to the, to, the, uh, you know, to the folks that I felt were 
uh, were the right people. Um, marketing um, and business development um, in New York um, is always a challenge as well. Marketing any product, you know, I, I say to my people sometimes, you could be giving gold away, and 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 it's and people wouldn't pay pay attention to you. Literally, you know, that's how hard it is. So um, it's a challenge, and uh, you have to spend time in 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 finding the right people that work for you. So um, you know, we just we we pulled it off. And, and this was not a project. I remember the beginnings of our conversations uh, eight ten weeks ago. Um, to get to that point where you launch um, it has to have such tremendous anticip- anticipation and excitement involved with them. You mentioned the various several milestones, and maybe this is where you're speaking from very recent experience. How do you get the team to keep the nose to the grindstone, to keep adapting, to keep building, etc., when you really haven't had it out there to have consumer reaction yet? Right. It, it's a lot of, it, again, you know, difficult to answer on one foot, but it's a combination of factors. Um, the, your founding team, the original people that you build anything with, I believe, for starters, need to be compensated very well. Um, and, and founders need to know how to share in the literal sense, literal interpretation of the word. Um, you know, obviously everybody wants to, you know, become a billionaire. Um, but there are there are the, the appropriate paths to take. Not that I'm there. Um, I think it starts with with treating your people very very well. So that's the number one uh, motivation, and that means not only paying them well. It means building building into whatever that compensation is, building in um, milestones and and things that they can achieve to attain more and so on and so forth as the company moves forward. So that's the first way um, that I found. That's probably the most effective way. Um, the other way of doing it is, you know, if people love what they do, and, and that's why it's so critical to spend the, the appropriate time to find the right people. And, of course, you're never going to be perfect all the time, and people will fall out, and new people will be added as any company grows. Um, but to find people that are really passionate, and you have to have, like, a sense for it. There are plenty of people that will be happy to take a job. And say, yeah, you know, it's just another gig. This guy thinks he's, you know, he's going to be the next so and so, and and they're just happy to ride the wave as long as it as long as it'll last. The challenge is to find the people that really believe in what you're doing and start to believe in it themselves, and 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 become a part of the project itself and they influence the project as it grows. Then it becomes um, less about you pushing them to keep their, you know, to keep the midnight oil burning. It's almost like you need to. You need to be catching up to them in some cases, and and you know again it doesn't always happen, but that's what the that's what the um, the objective should be. So one of your pieces of advice that you would be giving is to be finding uh, founders or or initial employees, ground ground floor employees who are going to go ahead and take ownership of the idea, the concept of the company, and and to really run with it because of pride or because of enthusiasm or, or maybe motivated by the dollars at the end, but nonetheless. Um, people are not along for the ride regardless of how talented they are. Yes, exactly. Um, by the way, just while we're talking about the topic of people, I don't know if I can throw this out there, but we Please. at the Strux, we are hiring at the moment, and uh, we're going through resumes and interviewing and talking. Uh, uh, your listeners can go to the Destructs website and our social media, um, uh, you know, or it's jobs at destructs.com. Um, everything from programmers to uh, business development, marketing, um, operations, and so on and so forth. So if you think you have what it takes, please do uh, reach out to us. 
This is excellent. We're part of a launch, although a little bit late. We're part of a job search, which I'm, I'm positive echoes for, for many of the listeners that are out there. Speaking of which, I wanted to remind everybody that they're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arya Lightstone, and we have the privilege of having Nathan Hecht and of Destructs, uh, D-S-T-R-U-X dot com with us today. <laughs> You've been listening to us on jmdm.org or nachamsegel.com. We are always proud to be sponsored by our dear friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So, uh, first of all, Nathan, this, this is pretty awesome. Secondly, you know, from a growth perspective, where are you headquartered? You're, the tech is in Israel, the, the corporate officer here in New York. How does that structure work? Um, so it's a little bit challenging. The tech is in Israel, although we are moving the tech to New York as well and continuing to recruit um, some, of the, some of the talent um, from the, from the uh, same line of work that we have been recruiting from as it relates to programming. Um, but technology will move to New York as well. We'll always keep some sort of a, a hub um, in Tel Aviv. Um, I'm committed to that, but you know, as the company starts to grow, um, it's prudent at some point to start to bring those teams together. Um, we are at the moment headquartered in Mineola, um, in Long Island. Um, it's a, it's I highly recommend it if you're looking to get away from the hustle bustle of the city. Um, and again, that also has its pros and cons. A little, little harder to network. Uh, you know, you don't if you're not in the tech hub. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little harder to bump into the to, to cool people in the elevators and and meet people at the coffee shops who you know end up sometimes doing great things with you. But you know, we 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 make sure that we do that anyway. Um, but the advantages of uh, you know of having your quiet time as a as an early stage startup and being able to really focus on your work um, really works. As far as um, being able to work with an international team, um, I've been doing that my whole life. Had multiple international offices and. Uh, with collaboration tools that are out there today, I mean, there are, there are companies that are literally built on people working um, either from home, which I don't necessarily condone, but the companies do that, or people working from remote offices. Uh, it's very, very, very common, and it's, it's much easier than you would imagine today. So it's, it's almost literally seamless, um, you know, to, to be able to do that. So it works quite well for us. Are, are you in Mineola in one of those startup New York zones? Uh, actually, I'm investigating that as we speak. Okay. So I'm not, I, I, I can't answer that question at the moment, but I, maybe, maybe. Okay. It's, uh, I remember once upon a time I had visited a, I guess we'll call it an incubator, an accelerator out there, and they had placed themselves pretty close to the train line. Once upon a time, Nassau County had stuff there, and it might be certainly is worth looking at. It seems like you're already, uh, already doing that. Um, in terms of destructs, let's just remind all the listeners out there once more to check us, check us. <laughs> that was very presumptive. Uh, to check Nathan and his team out at destructs.com, D-S-T-R-U-X.com, in order to be able to manage your files even after clicking, even after pressing send. Um, when, when you look at the applications for the consumer, I know you mentioned video and pictures and what part do you think is going to have the the uh, greatest instantaneous appeal to the consumer market in terms of that thing that you want to pull back? Um, I think it starts with uh, for ordinary consumers, and you have to you have to break consumers into different categories too. You know, there's the 13 to 18 age, there's the 18 to 24 age, and you know the uh, 
there are companies that will give you all sorts of uh, uh, graphs and, and uh, you know, analytics to tell you who, what, when, and where as it relates to those things. But on a high level, um, consumers uh, primarily start with pictures um, and text associated with pictures. Um, believe it or not, it doesn't necessarily go to video right after that. It actually goes to files, we found. And then from files, I would say it morphs into videos. Um, and if you actually look at the statistics on some of the other very popular sharing platforms that are out there, uh, videos are about a quarter of what the other um, the other stuff that's filed that's that's shared on the web. It's, it, it takes about it's like one fourth of um, you know the overall stuff that's shared. Believe it or not, you would think that it'd be more than that, but it actually isn't. Yeah, that's fascinating. I would not have I would not have guessed that 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 much yeah. is for sure. Um, and just while we've got you for just a couple more minutes, can you speak? Uh, you sound very passionate about the commitment to keep an office and connection to Tel Aviv, uh, you know, your international business experience, uh, the commitment to former members of the IDF and the intelligence services and being able to tap into them. Um, if somebody wasn't in Israel in 99-2000 um, or is not lucky enough to get a job with Destructs now and networks from the inside, what practical steps – can you give to some of the entrepreneurs or family of entrepreneurs out there who want to tap that less than fully tapped resource, that which is Israel? I, I would love to answer that question, and I've been giving it a lot of thought recently. My response is as follows. In the Jewish communities that we've grown up in over the last 10, 15, or 20 years, the professionals, quote-unquote, have become you know, doctors, lawyers, accountants, and so on and so forth. And there's only a very, very small fraction of at least the religious Jewish communities that are venturing into the world of technology. It is easier than you think, and I implore people to discover what technology has to offer um, in so many different ways, hardware, software, web-based, or otherwise. There are courses you can take at so many of the city colleges in New York, there are courses that are independent of college programs, um, easy access, easy entry, as short as a few months all the way up to a few years to learn the very basics of coding, um, developing, engineering, all the way up to you know the much more sophisticated stuff. And I really implore uh, the young listeners to to explore these opportunities. And it, it's it's an area that the world. Um, is 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 heading? It's a direction that the world is heading in. Um, it's a it's a great um, paying uh, space in general. Um, and if you can compare it to the jobs of the past, you know, I would say that the programmers of today are the are the lawyers of yesteryear. Of course, no, God forbid, no problem with with lawyers or anything like that. But if you're looking to get into something that's fresh and new, where there's a lot of opportunity. This is certainly the place to be. And I emphasize again that it's don't be afraid of, oh, I can't do it, or oh, I'm not proficient. It's much easier to learn. At least the basics are easier to learn than you would have a, a first thought, and it's, it's a really challenging, enjoyable um, environment. And, I, and I, I highly suggest that people uh, you know, look into it. So I'll... I'll... Sort of push on one other component because I, I want all of the listeners out there, and, and I know from the responses that we get, we have many educators uh, that are listening. And just as Nathan implored the younger listeners out there to take advantage, I, I, I'm going to encourage 
um, the educators to make those opportunities available. Uh, we had on Adam Jerusalem maybe five weeks ago from the Gross Foundation and their course on robotics and learning to code and, and various different components like that. And, and, and we had a lot of people call in and say, why isn't this at my school? And uh, we're able to connect those dots. I can only encourage you um, you know, to sort of go home and, and to, to make sure that your students, your kids – have that opportunity, you know. I, I uh, just, you know, this this Pesach break. Uh, so I decided this vacation I wanted to teach my oldest kid chess, uh, and my wife turned to me and said, maybe we should teach him how to code instead. Um, oh, and that. so we spent a little bit of time looking for the right apps in order to be able to do that. I don't want to say it's a more uh, apropos uh, life skill, but certainly is a valuable life skill. That that that's for sure true. Um, but I wanted to push. On one other thing, Nathan, that I think you can answer, and by having you on, I think has given a tremendous amount of credibility, both because people see what happened with LEDs 12 years ago and see it through today and recognize that you were part of something real. Um, and I think people see the need for what destructs is and recognize the, again, the realness to that. I, I know that's not a word. I think people are still scarred from like pets.com and, uh, and, you know, uh, you know, when, I don't remember which company was that got bought for nineteen billion dollars or whatever it was that, that people are like, what? What does that do? What? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a messaging platform. Okay. It's a <laughs> no comment. Right. What WhatsApp? Right. That, that's what. Yes. That's what. That's what went. Uh, um, I remember getting a tweet immediately after that was bought that the, the world's best practical joke would be if all members of WhatsApp left the next day, uh, which, which I think would have been actually a phenomenal practical joke. Um, but can, can you speak to the audience out there who are nervous about saying, well, I, I just don't get it. What's, what's the difference in between WhatsApp versus Gchat versus you know BBM, which certainly doesn't exist anymore? And, and if I'm going to encourage my kids to take that leap into technology, I want them to be involved with something that 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 you can touch, that that has an impact, that matters, and not with you know Pets.com. Right. Uh, so two things. First of all, the Internet of today is very, very different than the Internet of Pets.com. Very, very, very different um, in, me- in many, many ways. The Internet companies um, today, the larger ones that people are familiar with, are financially sound, producing substantial revenues, you know, have massive worldwide user bases, um, and are growing at a, at a very, very fast clip. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is as to how do you know... You know, if you end up with something that becomes a WhatsApp or if you're working on something that you think is the greatest thing since sliced cheese but the rest of the world is ignoring you, that's one of the overarching challenges um, in web-based technologies. And it's been out there probably since the mid-'90s. Um, you know, many people built uh, browsing technology, browsers in the mid-'90s. Only two or three of them actually had value. Um, many people built, you know, e-commerce websites or are doing it today. Some succeed, some don't, and so on and so forth. There are so many factors that go into that as to what the value of those companies ultimately are. Um, I'm not the the right person to judge that. Um, There are professionals who do that for a living. I will point out the following. Um, Build something, uh, to your point, about something tangible. I don't disagree. I absolutely agree. Focus on building something tangible. Focus on building something that people need. Focus on building something that can that has to produce um, revenue. Either people pay for it or other forms, you know, subscription-based or other forms of revenue. Um, because at the end of the day, um, there is no value otherwise. Um, you know.
know, so so if you're on that path, and to that point, you know, some people question when they see companies have ridiculous valuations. And again, I'm a reader, and I see this stuff just like the next guy. I can't explain it any better than anyone. Uh, when they see, you know, companies having extraordinary valuations, uh, they say, and then they right next to it, it says, and by the way, they have zero revenue. What sometimes the ordinary reader doesn't understand is there's a, there actually is a revenue model there, and it's a strategic decision not to uh, to deploy it yet for whatever reason that company has decided. But no company in the history of, of uh, the evolution of technology has got an extraordinary valuation or was worth anything for that matter with that, not with at least not uh, you know um, a revenue model uh, and, and so on. So when you hear and see these things and you say, oh, how could they be worth that much? It's not so much necessarily about the immediate um, gratification and those companies are strategically you know rolling things out in a way where other things are more important first, things that need to come later are important second, and so on and so forth, and there's a time for everything. And, and you see from the very beginning of our conversation, both the focus, and maybe this is the paradox that uh, that maybe people can't wrap their minds around, perhaps myself included, um, we started off the conversation with the need for creativity, and uh, and uh, not concluding, but but have, have certainly echoed here the need for discipline. Um, yes. And sticking sticking to a plan and the concept of milestones and and sometimes when you use those three phrases, people are like that's that's not the same company. Discipline milestones that's for accountants and attorneys, uh, maybe medical doctors. Creativity that's that's sort of like the tech guys. Um, but you, you as as a successful and serial entrepreneur are, are arguing that that uh, if one's going to be successful, you need both. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying it, and it's almost equal. It's extremely important to make sure that you know your creative juices are flowing, but it's as important to make sure that you're disciplined as it relates to the business of doing business um, and everything that 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 you know that that entails. And you need to be conscious of that very early. You know how you ultimately roll it out and and in what form it takes. You know each founder and each company. You know they figure their they figure those things out on their own. But without one missing the other. Um, in my humble opinion, is a is a is a critical flaw um, in any business, and specifically in a technology business. Okay, um, so I want to remind our listeners again that they're listening to Tech Talk here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Ari Lights, and we've really had a, a wonderful time speaking with Nathan Hecht. Uh, this uh, almost the entirety of the hour. You can listen to us on jmandtheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. We are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Um, should remind all of our listeners, uh, with kids, without kids, uh, you have a device, you share anything ever, and I'm pretty positive that everybody shares something at this stage in the game. To, to go today, don't wait till tomorrow, go today to destructs, D-S-T-R-U-X dot com. Check it out. See how it would be usable for you. If you're looking for a job, it sounds like a very exciting company. You can email them at, uh, what's that, jobs at destructs.com uh, or see their website and find out how to hook up with them on social media in that way. Um, if I can, Nathan, and I, I, I'm perfectly okay if not, can, can you just tell us a little bit what currency with a K is or was? It's a virtual currency. Um, okay. In a nutshell. Uh, it was a 
just the very beginning of when Bitcoin was released and some other technologies surrounding virtual currency, and I created a certain spin on um, on a virtual currency, and uh, we had a we had a really fun time building it. And that sounds to be one of the recipes for you doing something. If, you, if you're going, if you're going to work and you're enjoying it, it sounds like the hours, etc., are, are are well worth what you're putting in. Yes, sir. Absolutely. W- would you like, in, in the last minute or so, would you like to leave the audience with uh, with any other thoughts about entrepreneurialism or something that we didn't cover regarding destructs that uh, you think is valuable for them to walk away with? Um, just on the topic of destructs. Um, I'd, I'd love it if people would go to the website, sign up, and in a couple of weeks we'll release the mobile app. If you can download it, share it with your friends. And the one thing that I'd add in closing is good tech companies listen to their users and are very conscious about their users' needs. So please communicate with us. Hit us on social media. Send us emails. We're reading everything. We're listening. We're answering, and we're adjusting as we go. So if you have a, uh, an approach to something, if you're unhappy with something, if you have a suggestion, if something isn't working, please let us know, and someone from the company will reach out to you, and hopefully uh, it'll help us to build a product that uh, people want to use. That's awesome. Uh, you know, this, this has been incredibly refreshing. There are a lot of guys and gals who come on and sort of have their way uh, and sort of have their concept, and, and we've heard about how to integrate one's family. I'm still not positive what the twin almost four-year-olds do uh, in terms of uh, uh, relating to, to the business. We'll have to have you on another time, maybe on, on Father's maybe Day, and, on. And, and discuss that. Um, and But the, the concept of creativity, the concept of discipline um, – but uh, but also the, the concept that you want to hear feedback uh, from the customers, and you haven't created, you know, necessarily uh, everything that we want, and and you're you're willing and interested in hearing hearing back from the audience. I'll encourage our audience also go to the website, sign up, keep your eyes open for the mobile application, and uh, and make sure to communicate if you like it. I, I have to imagine you don't mind positive feedback. Also, say thank you, Nathan. It's it's probably a worthwhile thing to have. Okay. I, I wanted to thank you for, for taking, again, precious time away from, from both the company and your family. Uh, this has been very exciting. We want to wish you continued hatzlacha, lots of luck with, uh, with the continued launch and the growth of the company. We hope to have you on, uh, you know, uh, in the not too distant future to hear about, you know, sort of, uh, growth steps two and three and, and see where that propels you. Thank you, Arya. It would be my pleasure and I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you for having me today. Okay, thank you. Uh, you've been listening to Nathan Hecht, uh, founder and CEO of Destructs, D-S-T-R-U-X.com. A absolute fascinating, I'm, I'm, if, if you didn't hear Nathan before, and, uh, go back and listen to us. You can download our, our podcast. Um, uh, check their, out the website. They've got a really cool video, about a minute 52 seconds that, that explains what it does, um, and have an opportunity to see how it could be applicable uh, for you, for your kids, for your students, for whoever else it would be uh, in the community that you think would would make sense. Look, for, for, for me and for us, I think it's always exciting to see a member of our community uh, strike upon not only one idea but a second idea, maybe even a third idea, and to be able to see it really come to fruition. Um, we were at uh, the Republican Jewish uh, Coalition uh, Convention a, a couple weeks ago, and, and I'm not sure why I haven't heard this before. And we like to tie this to Israel, and Nathan did a great job tying it to Israel in terms of the the company presence and the the large 
undertapped resources of the, the, the graduates of the Israeli Defense Forces, especially, uh, in the intelligence divisions. Uh, but one, one of the things that I heard at this, uh, this, uh, convention by John Medved, who's a guest on our show in the past, uh, founder of Our Crowd, um, came and said that, look, oftentimes we, we put our hands up in the air and don't know what to do with, with BDS, with, uh, boycott, divestment, sanction movement. And he said, uh, of course you know what to do with it. Invest, invest, invest. Uh, if, if there's a group of people that are going to withdraw their money because they feel that it's antithetical to their moral beliefs, uh, it's incumbent upon each of us and, and many of us have been blessed with the opportunity to not only invest, but to encourage our friends and our families and our communities to invest. And, uh, uh, if one were to argue a decade or two ago was or three was the decade of Israeli bonds, which I would certainly strongly encourage people to still participate in if you can. Uh, but here's an opportunity for for outsized rewards, uh, return on your investments, and and not only that, but a a positive, feel good uh, opportunity to to really make a a big difference. And 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 I would argue because Nathan is is certainly part of our community, the investment. Here in in the employees in Israel, um, and it's a product that, that just looking at it and understanding it is something that uh, that we can use, and I think uh, uh, could be useful. Just as as in closing, I noticed that last week that uh, that uh, Scarlett Johansson, the representative for SodaStream, we mentioned her and the company uh, based in in uh, in Israel on the other side of the. Line, if you will, uh, which has been uh, subject of the the BDS movement. Uh, the spokeswoman uh, Scarlett Johansson has not backed down; has stood up and said, "This is exactly what we need to be supportive of, exactly what we need to be excited about." And and this week, I, I don't know the show, but I saw it tweeted out. Uh, one of the popular talk shows actually gave out as their holiday gifts. I'm not positive which holiday that was, but holiday gifts they gave out the Soda Stream again. Uh, another opportunity when people say boycott, divest. Um, we say we invest and we give and we buy. And, uh, and that makes sense. I think it makes sense. I think it's something that we can be positive about. I think it's something that we can be encouraging about. And, and I'd like to do that for you, all of our listeners out there. Uh, wanted to thank you again, Nathan Hecht, uh, for having come on today. What a great guest. Uh, really insightful and, and, and an exciting guest, I think. Uh, remind all of you out there that you've been listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. Feel free to tweet at me if you like. Uh, at Lightstone A, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-O-N-E-A, at Lightstone A. You have been listening to us either in jmdm.org or nachomsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street with Father's Day just around the corner for those people who... Uh, participate in such a thing, and Mother's Day, which is even closer around a closer corner, uh, check out Adorama.com and, and see what you can get for that uh, mom or dad uh, that might want something cool, uh, camera, phone, uh, iPad, what have you. Uh, so check them out, and uh, wanted to thank you again for listening to Tech Talk here with R.E. Lightstone. Until next week, uh, let's keep our eyes on the world of tech, eyes on the world of Israel, and looking forward to another exciting show next week. Thank you so much. Yeah, 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 yeah.